0: Hello and welcome once again to Longevity Now. Today's interview is another example of how you do not have to be a brilliant scientist, multimillionaire, or powerful politician in order to have an impact in the war against aging. Something as fun as writing a children's book can have a big impact now and in the future. That is what Wendy and Janati Stolyarov have done. Listen in to find out more about Death is Wrong. And joining us on Longevity Now, we have Janati and Wendy Stolyarov. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Justin.
1: It's great to be speaking with you today.
0: The first thing I'd like to have you tell the listeners is a little bit about yourselves, how you became interested in anti-aging and what you do for a living.
1: Well... I am a property and casualty insurance actuary by specialty. I have college degrees in economics, mathematics, and German. And during my spare time, I am an author, philosopher, and longevity activist. For me, Death is Wrong was the culmination of lifelong thinking about what could I do to contribute to the war against senescence and death. I've really been a proto-transhumanist ever since I found out about death as a child. And in the book, I discuss my interactions with my mother when I first found out about the subject. And I ask, why do people have to die? Why is it just for people to uh, receive the death penalty when they've done nothing wrong? And ever since that time, I've been interested in ways of combating
0: senescence and death. Okay. How about you, Wendy?
2: For me, the interest is a lot more recent. Uh, I didn't actually find out about the possibility of life extension until I met Giannati in college about nine years ago. I'm a freelance illustrator. Uh, I also do some voice acting when I can find work, which is a lot of fun. And really meeting Jannati opened my mind to a lot of possibilities regarding futuristic technology which I had just never previously considered. But I'd always haven't had an interest in literature. Uh, I was actually an English major and I have a degree in English with a minor in economics. So it was really natural for me to move toward helping Jannati write something and then of course as an illustrator he reached out to me for the illustrations which was very natural and appropriate. So. It was fun working with Gennadi on the book. Sure, and uh, sure. I actually taught Montessori school a little bit when I was a teenager. I was an assistant teacher, and it was a lot of fun working with children and seemed to me like the best place to start if I wanted to help prepare the future for these sorts of ideas.
0: Yes, the Montessori method is, of course, a method to try and open children's minds a little bit more. Self-directed learning, correct?
2: Exactly. And uh, the... Your idea is to give the child the choice of what they want to study and let them self-direct.
0: Sure, and I would imagine writing a children's book about death and aging might be something uh, children who have an open mind uh, might take on as uh, a reading project. Is that uh, kind of how the idea of writing a children's book came about, or how how did that exactly happen?
1: Yes, actually, uh, you're on the right track. Wendy told me, A few years ago that someday she wanted to write a children's book with me and she wanted to illustrate it. And I said, sure, that's an excellent idea. And I was thinking along the same lines in terms of what could I do to really make a novel contribution in promoting the ideas of life extension. And Mm -hmm. I realized, uh, on the one hand, I happen to be married to the best illustrator I know. Uh On the other hand, there are virtually no other outlets out there for children, say, prior to the age of 10 to find out about The feasibility and desirability of indefinite life extension. We as adults have access to a lot of both scientific and philosophical literature. We can read the news, we can go online and find some of the seminal essays on transhumanism or the research that Aubrey de Grey has conducted. But many children are restricted in their internet access, so we thought what would be the best way to get across to them. And this paperback version of Death is Wrong is a great conduit to the pursuit of further knowledge later on. Of course, for the kids who do have internet access and e-reader access, we have a Kindle version for them as well.
2: I would like to point out that this book is uh, targeted at the age of maybe eight to 12 would be the ideal age group to read the book. When I first heard children's book come out of Gennady's mouth, I envisioned something a little younger. I imagine, you know, a picture book, like where the wild things are. and uh, It took some time for us to refine the ideas, but eventually we concluded that the ideas are complex enough uh, and the science is advanced enough that we wanted to target a slightly older group.
0: All right. You two are both obviously uh, talented and smart people, and you ended up writing this uh, children's book. Uh, Why did you and why should others also support this book instead of, say, other types of research effort, putting uh, time, money, and effort into uh, research projects. What is the uh, main selling point for supporting the book?
1: I think it's essential to do both. I am also a direct supporter of a few longevity research initiatives. However, it's also important to essentially invest in the next generation Mm -hmm. of great scientists, technologists, philosophers, and activists whose work may well be the pivotal contribution that will get us to indefinite longevity in our lifetimes. And I think also the earlier people get exposed to the feasibility and desirability of defeating senescence and attaining indefinite longevity, the more receptive they would be to that message. There's an apocryphal Jesuit saying, give me the child for the first six years and I'll show you the man. And unfortunately, many children only receive messages from the common death acceptance paradigms that prevail in our culture, be they religious or secular. And when, as adults, they encounter ideas about indefinite life extension. There's a reflexive skepticism and reflexive aversion that perhaps wouldn't be there if they had been exposed to all the possible points of view on this subject. For me, I'm not trying to push only a single point of view onto children. I'm trying to present a set of ideas that is underrepresented in our culture. So I have no fear about children encountering ideas about accepting death. uh, I think they should evaluate every idea openly and critically. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think the ideas in favor of indefinite life extension are so powerful that when a young mind encounters them, it will be very receptive to them on their own merits.
0: All right. And then I could go out and buy a few copies of the book and I could distribute them to some parents I know or to libraries. But I know that the argument I'm going to encounter is that parents need to tell their children that death is inevitable. Uh, Many parents who see the book will tell their kids it's just a fantasy that even if we cure all diseases, people will still die. How would you counter that argument?
1: While reversing senescence is not in itself going to eliminate other causes of death, it will alter people's attitudes toward risks and toward what kinds of behaviors they may want to pursue in their lives. If they have a lot more time to lose, say, 100 or 200 or 500 or 1,000 additional years of life due to an accident or societal strife like wars and crimes, or due to a longer-scale natural disaster, uh, such as a major earthquake or a supervolcano or a meteor strike that most people just discount and disregard today, uh, those people are going to be a lot more sensitive to risk and a lot more motivated to do something about it to invest in technological solutions that would also reduce the frequency and the severity of those kinds of perils i'd
2: also i'd also like to make a point here uh, i think that even if it's not a winning fight it's still an important and noble effort even if genadi and i don't end up being able to extend our own lifespans beyond 80 years If we're lucky, I still think that this is something important to forward in terms of technology for any children we might have in the future, uh, for their children. And I think that longer lifespans, as Janati pointed out, not only makes an individual more risk averse personally, but it also makes them more willing to take good care of their surroundings and those around them, to take care of the planet in a responsible way. Conservationship will be, I think, a big effort in the next 200, 300 years as people begin living longer. If you're only going to stay somewhere, you know, a couple days, like a hotel room, you don't treat it as well as you would treat your own home. Mm -hmm. And I think that the same principle applies on a larger timescale for the planet.
0: Sure. Sure. Okay, just as an intellectual curiosity, how did you choose the term wrong? Other people who might have written a similar book might have chosen the words death is evil or death is horrible or death is bad. The right-wrong paradigm, how did you come up with that?
1: I think there are many ways to view the term wrong. And one way to view it is this would be the indignant reaction of a child Mm -hmm. when finding out about the grim prospect of death. And essentially reacting with outrage, with the idea that this shouldn't happen, it's wrong.
2: It's an injustice.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are also more adult meanings of the term. I, as a moral philosopher, consider the life of the individual to be the ultimate primary moral value, because if you're not alive, you can't pursue moral values at all. You can't even think about the desirability of doing anything at all. So for me, since life is the ultimate good, death is the ultimate wrong. Death is that which is to be avoided through one's behavior, both in ethical terms and in practical terms. So there is also this implication that because it's wrong, death ought to be combated through science and technology and prudent living.
0: All right. And then once again, tell us briefly about how people can contribute to your Indiegogo project and if you have any final thoughts.
1: Certainly. Our Indiegogo project is titled Help Teach 1,000 Kids That Death Is Wrong. Our goal is to raise $5,000 to enable 1,000 paperback copies of the book to be printed and shipped to longevity activists who would distribute them to children in their local areas. We are open to shipping the books anywhere in the world. We've made shipments to the UK, to Poland, even a small shipment to Indonesia. And of course, we've made several shipments to the United States so far. We've been able to distribute 84 books already. Our fundraiser ends on April 23rd. So as of today, there are about... 10 days left to contribute. Fortunately, it's a flexible funding campaign, which means whatever amount of money we raise we will get to devote that amount of money to distributing the books minus a cut that Indiegogo will take. Now, there is a difference in the outcome between whether or not we reach our goal in the sense that Indiegogo will take a larger cut, a 9% cut versus a 4% cut. Uh, The more favorable cut would occur if we do reach our goal. However, because I am so invested in the outcome of this project, irrespective of what cut Indiegogo takes. I would absorb that out of my own resources. So the total amount of funds we raise, divided by five, will be the number of books we send out. We're a little over two-thirds of our fundraising goal right now, and as there are still a few days left in the campaign, I encourage anyone who's interested in spreading this book to go to Indiegogo and read about the project and contribute to it.
2: Uh, We'd love to get not only more donors, but at this point, uh, more people who would be willing to distribute the book. We will have more than 600 copies that we're going to be able to send out since we're more than two-thirds of the way done. So we really need people to start telling us where to send the books, and we'll be happy to send you lots of copies.
1: Yes, I can be reached by email at II at gmail.com. Anyone who's interested can send me a brief email, including their name, their address, the number of copies they would like, their brief statement of support for indefinite life extension, and a brief discussion of their plan, to distribute the books in their local areas. We're really open to a wide array of possibilities, including giving away the books, giving them to libraries, schools, children's activity groups, doing public readings. The only restriction is that books received pursuant to the fundraiser may not be resold. They have to be made available to children free of cost to them.
0: Okay, well, I wish you luck in your campaign, Wendy and Giannati, and thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure, Justin.
0: And of course, we wish them much success in their efforts to distribute the book, and we can be a key part of that success. If you do not have the funds to contribute to the fundraising campaign, you can sign up to distribute a couple of books, as simple as that, and another step toward defeating aging. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.